You're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing and business from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashley Mae Fernandez, and this is the only show where making a disruptive noise smells like success. Each week, I interview high-level disruptors who are making a big stink in their industry by doing things their own way while you listen in and ask a question or two. Talk show, live studio audience style. Expect all things marketing, messaging, money, and mindset, and only strategies that don't include farting and darting or treating your clients like an afterthought. So if you're ready to stop farting around and actually scale your business, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. Hey, everyone. Oh, you guys, I am I'm so excited for today's episode. I know I say that every single episode, but I really, really, really am excited for today's episode. I, over the weekend, just decided that I wanted to do a high-ticket sales series in which I'm going to be talking about why you are not attracting perfect fit clients or why you're attracting people who tell you, I can't afford you. This is one of the most common things people come to me for. All of my clients will come to me and they'll say, I am amazing at what I do. My clients get freaking awesome results. And, you know, I have a lot of referrals, but when I'm creating content and putting it out there, I tend to attract people who tell me they can't afford me. They'll always say, oh my gosh, what you have is exactly what I want, but I just can't afford you. And there are a few things that kind of go into that as to why I think that happens. And I wanted to do a series about it. I wanted to do a really quick series and break it up because if I did it all in one episode, this would be like a five-hour episode. <laughs> I don't want to record a five-hour episode. So I'm going to basically do a series. And today is part one. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about. But I want to preface this by saying I'm going to be talking a little bit about things that might seem basic, but I want to encourage you to stick around because I'm going to offer a different perspective on it because I feel like a lot of things that are being taught in the industry are very fluffy, to be honest. And you guys are, you guys all know I am not about the fluff. There is no fluff in my world. I'm a no BS type of person. So I wanted to shoot it to you straight and really talk about some of the things that I see that are preventing you from attracting clients who can afford you, as well as attracting perfect fit clients. Because a lot of the times I will have clients who come to me who are amazing at sales, right? They're amazing at sales. And if you've been trained to be amazing at sales, you know how to overcome objections. But what I see end up happening is you may overcome the objection and actually have someone purchase your offer, but they're purchasing on a negative emotion of desperation or emotion of this has to work. I've invested all this money and it comes in with this like scarcity mindset. So then what ends up happening is they've convinced this person that their offer is perfect fit for them. And it might be a perfect fit for them, but their idle client's mindset is all over the place. So they end up coming in and kind of being a pain in the rear end client. And they create these codependent relationships on them. And then my clients who convinced these people that their program was awesome because they were really good at sales, they start to resent their clients. And then they get frustrated because like, I know if this person just did the work, if they actually showed up 100% and it's, they know that they could get the results, but they aren't a mindset coach, right? They're not a mindset coach. And so I see this happen all the time is that people will 
They'll be really, really good at sales. They'll be really good at handling objections. And so they'll actually get the person to buy. But that person who's buying ends up becoming a pain in the rear end client because they bought on a negative emotion that if you've been around, if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me say it so many times. I will scream it till the cows come home. When you convince them to it, you'll have to convince them through it. And that's the thing is a lot of times my clients don't have the capacity to convince them through it. And they also don't have the skill to convince them through it. And I don't even want to say convince them through it. They don't have the skill to help them overcome those mindset objections, those mindset blocks to be able to fully comprehend and get the most value from what they offer. So it's like they've they've done really good at being able to handle objections when it comes to the initial sale. But once they're in the program, my clients aren't mindset gurus. They aren't mindset coaches. They don't want to have to constantly try and overcome these mindset blocks with their clients. And there's a huge thing that kind of went on a tangent a little bit, but that's a huge thing that I see. And so I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit too. So let's just jump right in because I'm so freaking excited. Okay, so the first thing that I see so many people get, I don't want to say get wrong, but they don't fully, fully comprehend it is their offer and specifically their offer structure. So there's a few things that I work on when it comes to the offer with my ideal clients, but here are a few of the mistakes I see. So a lot of my clients who come to me already have a high ticket offer and it's been validated. They've sold it a couple of times. They are getting amazing results from their clients, but they're not getting a steady stream of leads. They might get leads through referrals, but they're not getting leads through their marketing or through their their messaging or through their content. And what I see when we go and look at their offer, because that's one of the core things we have to look at in order to position their messaging to then amplify their marketing. One of the things that I see is when they raised their price, like at the time that they raised their rate to what it currently is to that high ticket price, they did a few rearranging when it came to their offer. So they either added more time because in their minds, they thought, okay, If I add more time, that equals more value, and then I can charge more. The second thing I see is they'll add more resources or they'll add more stuff, right? Like they'll, or they'll add another coach that comes in to make it a little more enticing, right? They'll add a lot of these extras to make it look more valuable because to them, again, if it's more valuable, they can charge a higher price. But what I think actually happens is that kind of dilutes the expertise in your offer. It dilutes the value of your offer, to be honest. And I always tell my clients this, and when I say it, they their minds just go, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. I always tell them the person will pay you the most when you solve the one problem they have the fastest. And I always give this example when I'm doing trainings or something. Imagine you have this disgusting ugly wart on your face, right? If you have this really disgusting, ugly wart on your face, you don't want to go out in public. Like you don't want people to see it. it's a burning problem. Like you want that wart gone. So let's say you go to a general doctor and he tells you, okay, we can get rid of this wart, but you're going to have a really nasty scar and it's going to take us six months to get rid of it. And so you're going to have to come back for six months. You have to wear this huge bandage on your face for six months to be able to get rid of this wart. And and then it's also, let's say you say it's, it's going to be $5,000 to do this, okay? Versus you going to option two, you going to a specialist. Let's say some type of like wart specialist. I don't know if that's a thing, but let's say it's a wart specialist. 
And he says, oh, we can get rid of it in a week. You won't have a scar and it's going to cost you $20,000. If that is a big enough pain for you, you are going to find that $20,000. Like you are going to want to go with someone who's more specialized in it, more specialized, as well as who can solve it the fastest. Like those are two, you know, those are two options. And if it is a dying problem, if it's something that keeps them awake at night, they're going to go with the higher price who can solve their problem the fastest. And I use this example and they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like you're totally right. And the thing is that I feel a lot of people when it comes to their offers, they end up adding all of this crap. And I call this, I have coined this term, my whopper offer. They create a whopper offer and it's just so much extra stuff. And it's not even extra stuff. Sometimes it's just a lot of extra time. And I saw this with my own offer. I used to have a six month one-on-one offer. Okay. I had a six month one-on-one offer. I charged $10,000 for this six months. And I thought, okay, well, six months for $10,000. And I like just, it's, I just thought that was so much money. So I felt like I had to to tack on extra time. And even on top of that, I was offering a lot of extra stuff in this offer. And I realized that I was creating more problems than I wanted to. And back in January, I went to a mastermind retreat in Cancun and I had some other really awesome entrepreneurs dig into my business and what I was like, talking about my frustrations, I was saying, I have these women who come into this program, men men and women actually, who come into my six month program and they're freaking amazing at what they do. They have all this, all of these things. And it was just a lot of stuff. One was because I wasn't holding tight containers or tight boundaries, but two, it was because I was trying to solve too many problems. I was trying to solve too many things. I was trying to solve a messaging problem, an offer problem, an idle client problem, a marketing problem, a sales problem. And that was another thing. I had these women coming in who were getting leads, but they didn't know how to actually close a sale once they got the lead. So then I was jumping in and trying to help them with sales. And I was like, I don't like doing this. I don't want to have to watch a sales call of my client and tell them, well, you should have said this and you should have done that. And you should have done this. You should. I didn't love doing it. Granted, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's amazing, but I'm not a sales coach and I didn't want to offer that. And so I was like, well, man, why is all this happening? And when I started to dig through my own offer with my own methodology, I realized, wow, really at the core of what I loved to do I could literally get through that in like a six to eight week program. And that's what I did. I made it so much more specialized. I cut out all the fluff. I made it much more specialized and I took it from a six month program to a six week program, but I ended up making it eight weeks because six weeks was just a little too tight for me. So I ended up making it eight weeks, but I had more people buy my six week program than I did my six month program at the same exact price, right? And it was amazing because they were like, oh my God, six weeks, yes. And I also attracted a completely different caliber of client because I had the person who was a go-getter. I had the person who was like, I know this is the problem. I need to get it solved. This is the one thing I need to get done. And like the results of my clients went freaking through the roof. I had one client, no joke. I had one client do a $500,000 sales week, $500,000 sales week without a single sales call, right? Which is freaking insane. And it was just a completely different caliber of client because I ended up making my offer very, 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 very specific, very specific. 
solved one problem and I made it so, I guess I defluffed it is what I would call it. I took out a lot of the extras that we didn't need. And then here, and then also, this is another thing on top of that, that what I don't see people articulate when it comes to their offer is the process in which they help someone get the result that they're promising. And this is a really big thing to me because this is something I work on with all of my clients is you need to have a process because this is how our brains operate. If you just came up to someone and you said, I can help you have a $500,000 sales week. The first question they're going to ask you is how, how, how are you going to do that? And our brains as humans, we really love, love, love order. When we have order in our brains, we feel clear. And that's why a ton of people actually plan. Think about that. That's why everyone plans things out. That's why we have to-do lists. And so I have my clients, whatever their offer is, I'm like, okay, what's the result that someone can expect to get? And that has to be crystal clear. It can't be something fluffy like I help them reach the next level. That's all. A whole nother podcast I'm going to talk about when it comes to your messaging. But we have to have a very specific offer, a very specific result that you're getting. And then I say, okay, what's the steps that people get that offer? And this is where I get the most pushback. People are like, I don't really have steps. I'm like, yes, you do. And we, and this is like my expertise. Oh, I love it so much. We'll go through and we'll kind of pull out really all of the core pieces that they're doing. And then also what makes those core pieces different from other people in the industry or what they're being taught in the industry that they're currently doing. This is a whole, 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 whole method that I go through, which I don't really have a lot of time to dig into. I can do a whole other episode on it, but we go through a process, right? We go through, we dig in what are the maybe the four to five core things that they're really helping them achieve. And it doesn't have to be in order, right? Like it doesn't have to be, well, step one, step two, step three. No, it's just kind of the, the you know, three, I would say three to five core things that you're helping them do to be able to get the result. So, for, and then I also take it and I put it in some type of method or framework, right? So mine with every single one of my offers it used to be the master method, but now I now I'm transitioning since we're doing a whole new rebrand and everything. I'm calling it the Daisy method because you know flowers. And so basically, what I do is like each each letter stands for something, right? So D A I S Y, right? So D stands for di- differentiate. First, we do a complete offer and ICP analysis to determine what small tweaks need to be made to automatically differentiate you in the marketplace. So this is one of the core things that I do. I look at their offer structure. I look at their ICP. I look at their, I look at what fires them up. Why do they do the things that are different? Why do they do things differently than others in their industry? And how do they do things differently than others in the industry? Then the A stands for articulate, right? We reposition their brand messaging to effectively articulate their expertise using thought-shifting content. This is my really core bread and butter because a lot of the times people come to me and they're so freaking amazing at what they do, but they just can't articulate it in their messaging or in their content. And they sound like everybody else, right? They want to be thought leaders in their space. They want to sound different. So that's one of the things that I help them do. And then the I stands for initiate. So then we initiate a strategic client acquisition system that increases retention as well as leads. So we go through and we look at how did they get clients in the past that were freaking amazing clients. What marketing has worked for them in the past? How can we amplify it? What hasn't worked in the past? How can we either, you know, eliminate it or tweak it? How can we make that work for them? 
And then we also look at their retention. How can we increase retention with their clients? Also, sometimes we look at referrals, right? Like we look at the referral system that they have. That will kind of go down to the why, but those are some of the things that we actually look at. Like how can we initiate a strategic client acquisition system? Right? And then S is systemized. How can we actually put everything that they're doing into a system that allows them to know what their needle movers are and what they're working on every single day? This also goes into what I call my sales system. So once they get the leads, what is the system in which we can put them through? And this is kind of going into the DM sales, like selling into the DM because I don't actually do sales calls anymore. Um, so how can we actually put that in a system so when they're getting these DMs, they're not missing them. There aren't, there aren't cracks in their system. So that's the S. And the Y stands for your, right? So we look at all the ways that we can leverage um, your network and visibility to optimize retention and referrals and all that good stuff. So that, that's my daisy method. So I do this with my clients as I put it in some type of method. And, and when we do this, this is, first of all, when we do this, not only do we, as the person who has the offer, we get clear, right? We feel so good in our brains, we have order. But this is also showing your ideal client your how. They see, oh, I see, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And it gives them a sense of clarity. And that's why, you know, our brains, that's why our brains love lists, because when we write things down, we don't forget it. And so, and we also can see, okay, this is the order. This is the itinerary. This is the way that we go. So creating that signature process or that signature method really helps when it comes to your offer. And I see so many people get this wrong. They're always marketing on, this is the result that I can get you, which is amazing. Great person wants that result, but they really truly want to know how in the world you're going to help them get that result. And this is literally one of the biggest things that I see marketers or entrepreneurs get wrong when they're talking about their offer. Yeah, we have to figure out what is that process? What is that signature offer? And then the last thing I'll say, the last thing that I'll talk about, actually two last things I'll talk about. One of the biggest mistakes I see when it comes to talking about your offer or packaging your offer is they package it in a way where they're trying to sell a service instead of a product. Now, let me back that up. You're probably like, what is a service? Why would I sell it as a product? When you package your service as a product, people feel like they're actually getting something tangible, right? So how do you do this? First of all, you have to have a name for your offer. You can't just say, oh, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. No, have a name for your service. Have a name for it. So mine is Ship to Sell Program. And this automatically feels so much better. If I were to say, hey, do you want my shift to sell program that allows you to be able to consistently attract high ticket clients through your content and through your messaging and be able to close them in the DMs without a sales call? Would you rather that or would you rather say, yeah, I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching and, you know, I'll help you, I'll help you get leads. We'll have one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'll help you get leads. That sounds so different. Like you want the tangible you want the tangible thing. So this is something that I love and I've taught all of my clients is to position your service as a product and sell it almost as a product. And again, this creates this sense of, oh, this is what I get. It allows your idol client to understand what they're actually getting versus saying, oh, one-on-one -on -one coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. No, it's so different. That's the first thing I see. And then 
The last thing I'll talk about is a lot of the times people, they will create their offer after they found their ideal client. I, this is something in the industry that drives me freaking bonkers, is a lot of people teach you to, okay, go find someone you want to work with, ask them what problem they have, then create an offer and sell it. I do not agree with this at all. Not one bit. This is what everyone teaches in the industry. And I do not agree with it at all. Like I will go on record and say, I do not agree with it at all. And you're probably like, what? Here's what happens when you do that. I actually 100% believe that the offer comes first. When you create your offer, you're going to create it based off your expertise and what you love to do. Then you're going to go out and position it to the best fit person for it. Now, next week, we're going to be talking all about ideal clients. So I'm not going to go into that, but this, you know, this is kind of just the, the start of next week's episode. You have to do your offer first. What's being taught in the industry, this is what ends up happening. You go out, you ask some, I should say, I have all the time. You go out and you ask someone, what is it that you want? What's your problem? Right. And then you say, oh, okay. So then you create this offer and then you go and try and market to them and then they don't buy it. How many of you have done that? How many of you have gone out and done your market research and you found someone with this problem? So you created this offer and then you go and offer it to them and then they don't buy it. This happens all the freaking time. And then also what ends up happening is let's say someone does buy it. You go out and someone buys it. You're going to end up promoting that offer and then getting these clients. And then what's going to happen is you're going to spend so much time doing a bunch of crap that you do not want to do. And then you're going to start to resent your clients. You're going to start to resent your business. You're also going to then think, well, I need another offer. I don't really love doing this. Let me try this and let me do this different and let me do that. And then also your clients are going to be all over the place. It's going to be all over the place. You're not going to be able to scale your business. You're not going to feel like an expert in anything. You're just going to feel like you're doing a ton of different things. And it is going to create complete chaos in your brain. And you're going to get stuck. I see it happen all the time. And it happened with me. For the first maybe three years in my business, I felt like a chicken with its head cut off. I was really great at sales. So I got clients. But my offer was completely customized to anyone who came my way. Oh, you need help with this? Okay, let's do this. Oh, with this? Okay, let's do this. Because I was one-on-one coaching. Oh, let me do this and let me do that and let me do this and let me do that. And what ended up happening was I was at full capacity with clients, making absolutely nothing, working 24-7, crying my eyes out, hating my business. And it was terrible. And I also kept questioning myself, like, should I be doing this? I kept questioning, what am I actually good at? And I know what I'm good at. I know that I'm freaking amazing at messaging. I know that is my bread and butter. I know that articulating your expertise in your messaging and then being able to position you as a thought leader in your industry and be able to attract high ticket clients and close them without a sales call. Like that is what I'm freaking good at, right? I'm not good at helping you build a brand new offer. Nope, not good at it. That's what I was doing. I'm not good at helping you figure out what ideal client you should cater to. Nope, not good at it. Mm -mm. When you come to me, I need to already have I need to already have data. I need to already know what clients you've worked with, which ones got the best results, which ones didn't. So then we can really dig into why, why they got results. Why didn't they? Right. And we'll be talking all about that next week, but 
have a whole process for that. But I have to have that data. I can't work with someone who I can't. My my expertise does not fit someone who doesn't have a validated offer and who does not have ideal clients who have gotten results. Right. That's my expertise. But I was doing everything. I was helping people with time management. I was helping people with mindset. I was helping people with marketing strategy. I was helping people with sales. I was helping people with offer structure, idle client, market research. And it was, it was awful. Like I hated it, but it's because I went out and I was like, oh, I really want to work with this type of person. What problems do you have? Tell me. And then I created a whopper offer to fit their problems, to fit all of the problems that they had. When really I needed to figure out where my ideal client needed to be to solve, to to be one aware of the problem that I was solving, the one problem that was solving and what I wanted to solve for them. I needed them to be aware of it already. And then also what steps they only needed, what only steps they needed, what only information they needed, what only resources they needed to get to point B to get that one problem solved and then go on their merry way. I don't see this happening in the industry. I see everyone tell you, oh, go find an ideal client who wants help. And I do I do think that you should do that, I guess. Let me back. I guess you should do that in the beginning when you don't actually have an offer or when you're brand new in business and you don't really know what you're doing. Then, yeah, sure, you could probably do that. But I would say try to figure out what you love doing as soon as possible and then narrow down to just that problem. Narrow down to just that, right? I realized messaging was where I thrived. I freaking love doing messaging. I am so good at going in and pulling out people's expertise and being able to articulate it in their messaging. And they get so much clarity. I'm really good at that, you know, and the criteria for that person changed once I figured that out. I needed someone who already had a validated offer. I needed someone who already knew kind of who who gets great results with their program and who didn't and why, right? I also needed someone who knew how to sell. I could bring them, help them create messaging and content all day long. But if they got those leads and they were able to close them, was not going to help? Like I needed someone who do that. I also needed someone with the mindset of their, I know I'm valuable and I know what I offer is valuable. I don't want to have to convince someone that their offer is worth a high ticket price didn't want to have to convince someone of that. That was their awareness. They, they were aware that they were really good at what they did and they had the confidence in that and they had the mindset of that. These were all things that I had to, I had to put in place, but it all started with my offer. The offer will always come first. The offer will always come first, especially when it comes to high ticket sales. Now, again, I'm not talking to newbies here. I'm not talking to brand new in business. If you're brand new in business and you don't know, really know what you're good at yet, then sure, Try to go out and maybe find someone and solve a problem for them. I don't know. But when you're doing high ticket sales, if you already have a high ticket offer or you're looking to increase your rates, you have to get super, super clear on your offer. You have to get super clear on the one problem that you solve. It needs to be one problem, right? That's why specialists gets paid so much. Like I actually, if you don't know this, I'm a certified dental assistant. I kind of went on a wild hair. Um, I went to school for international business and marketing and then worked in corporate America for a $4 billion company for several years. And then I was like, I hate corporate marketing. I want to try something different. So I ended up going back to school for dental assisting and I worked as a dental assistant for a year. And then I was like, I really miss marketing. But one thing I learned in that industry, I worked for an orthodontist, right? 
And when you go specialize, you know, there's a general, there's a general dentist too. That's where you go for your cleanings and cavities and fillings and all that. But then there are different, there are different categories. I can't think of the right word, but there are different categories of dentists, right? There's orthodontists, there's perio, periodontists, right? Like, and then there's pediatric dentistry. So you have all these different places and these different like specific specific categories get paid more than a general dentist because they're specialists. They're specialists in something. When you figure out what you're a specialist in, people are going to automatically see you as an authority. They're also going to say, oh, I'm going to pay more for someone who's a specialist. So that would be my biggest tip is to really focus in on what you're really, really good at and create the offer around that and then position it to the best fit person for it, which we will be talking about next week, ideal client in episode two. But yeah, these are some of the core things I see wrong with the offer. And it is 100% a factor into why you're attracting people who can't afford you. And I know it's very different than what the industry talks about, but again, we are here to be disruptors, right? This is what this whole podcast is about. Industry disruptors who are, you know, making a big stink or a big splash in their industry. And I feel like I'm definitely one of those people. And I'm, I want to be one of those people because I think what's being taught in the industry is hindering for a lot of people versus helping. And I know it really hindered me for a long time until I started to be like, okay, why are we doing it this way? And then I started to kind of go a little bit differently and really dig into what it is I didn't agree with. I used to for a very, very long time feel like I couldn't disagree because if I disagreed, then I would be wrong, if that makes sense. Because I'm like, it'll work for them. It must work. Well, cool. Yeah. But why not disagree? Sometimes I think the best agreement is disagreement, really. Because when you disagree with something, you then get to try new things. You get to say, oh, well, why do I disagree with that? Can we try something else? And I'm all about guessing and testing. I'm all about let's try something different and see what sticks and let's try something different and see what's wrong. Like trial and error is my best friend. My team will always laugh at me because they'll come to me with a new idea. And I love this. And I want to create this for my team. I want to create this for the people who are in my space. They come to me and they say, I have this idea. I'm like, let's try it. I don't hate it. Why not? Let's try it. I don't care if it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We'll try something different. It's okay. I don't ever think anything is a failure. I just think it's, you get data and data is awesome. Data is amazing. So anyways, that kind of went on a little tangent there, but I hope that you found this incredibly helpful. I'm very, very excited about this series and I'm going to be recording episode two of the series. And we're going to be talking all about your ideal client. And the few things that I see wrong when it comes to your ideal client, and believe me, you're going to want to hear this episode because I am very, very different when it comes to ideal client. I don't have you create some bogus avatar that tells you, oh, what kind of car do they drive? How much? No, we don't do any of them in my space. We really, truly look at the actual data and I break it down into what I call my 4A system, which is just so eye-opening for my clients and it just shifts everything. I hope that you all have a great rest of your week. And we will see you next week. Talk to you later. 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 Ah, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Fartner Round Show. 
I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I would love, love for you to join us on the next podcast recording. You can go to www.ashamayfernandez.com slash podcast to see our interview schedule and the link to join us live to get your questions answered, get some personalized feedback and one-on-one hot seat coaching from not only me, but the amazing guests that I bring on the show. So I hope to catch you in the next episode. And until then, I will smell you later.